This podcast is meant for entertainment purposes only. The information and opinions are derived from individuals and are not to be taken as a guarantee. We here at In The Money provide you with content, not a guarantee of performance. We are not liable for any bets or action you take as a result of this podcast. All right. Welcome to Lock It In, episode 14, the post-Thanksgiving special. The moose is on the loose and not with us, so... Uh, we'll go ahead and get started without him. Cause she bougie. Ass got me feeling woozy. I'm rolling loose. Leave she begging. She can't be choosy. We make a movie. Yeah. Starring Ricky Ricardo. And she my Lucy. Cut, it's a rap. Put the bean up on the map. Yeah, I need my pockets fat. So I ain't got time to chat. Yeah. In the trees like I'm sad. They don't get it. Take a lap. Yeah. Waking up to a snaps. In the booth. Take a nap. Why her mom have to say she never seen something this rare? When you see me and come up to me, just say what's poppin' player. Poppin'? You can hit me and come kick it. We can put one in the air. Cause I'm smoking like I'm Willie. Play guitar just like I'm mayor. Yeah. Slenderman, I wanted to get your get your take on something. Uh, I was doing a little bit of looking around because I wanted to see like what NBA teams this early in the season I think are for real. And I, and I looked at this stat... Uh, on NBA.com, I looked this up. Uh, since the Heatles got together, since the LeBron Heat got together, only twice has a team with an offensive rating outside the top five in the regular season won a championship. Those two teams were the first year of the LeBron Heat when the Dallas Mavericks had probably the most improbable championship run of all time. Yeah. And then the next year when the Heat themselves won and they finished sixth in offensive rating and let's be honest it was probably because they didn't really try as hard towards the end of the season and they probably were a top five offensive team for most of the year but since then every team that's won has been a top five offensive team and especially recently the teams that are the top top teams in offensive rating are the teams that are the most competitive. Last year, number one was Houston, and number two was Golden State. The year before that, it was Golden State. The year before that, it was Golden State, and Cleveland was in the top five. And Cleveland was in the top five perennially when they looked like they were going to give Golden State problems. So to me, take that out to this year, and it has me very worried for two teams and then very hot on another team. The team right now that's leading the league in offensive rating is the Milwaukee Bucks, which I think would have surprised a lot of people coming into the season. But as we've talked about, that Budenholzer addition, I think has kind of changed the way this team feels, the way it looks, the way they play. And then that's sort of on the positive side of this trend. But then on the other side of this trend are two teams from the East that I kind of question, and that's the Boston Celtics, who... You know, I've watched a little bit of recently and watched more of actually. Gordon Hayward isn't quite back to what he was, which, I mean, it's kind of impossible for you to expect a guy to come back from an injury that gruesome so quickly. But the other team, and so, sorry, without Gordon Hayward getting back to snuff, this team just looks like an average offensive team. And that's evident just through the eye test, too. Yeah. And, but I mean, but I mean, I think Jason Tatum obviously has regressed a little bit. Not not anything that would concern me for him long term, but for this year, it is concerning for them. Jalen Brown has regressed a little bit, and I don't know why that is. I, I can't figure out why he hasn't kept playing because it's not like he was a dominant ball handler last year anyway. 
That's not his game, really. Uh, are you t- you're talking Brown? Yeah. Yeah, I just, you know, I don't, I'm not sure. I think there's just, there's more mouths to feed now, and he's kind of, I mean, a lot of times on he ends up being kind of the last option on the court in that starting lineup. I mean, he probably Definitely. Definitely, that's true. Uh, prior to them moving Hayward down, you know. Yeah, even still, like, because Markeith Morris has been playing well, and you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So. So, right, the shots just aren't really there for him like they were last year. Right, and they're still a really good defensive team. So they're like, I'm not worried about them in terms of playoffs. But if you're taking a look at who who we think is going to be able to, you know, make it through the East, Milwaukee having such a high offensive rating, I think, is a good sign for me. And then Boston, I'm worried about. And the other team I'm really worried about, I think I've talked about this a lot more offline at least, is uh, is Philly. Uh, I think there's something wacky with their spacing, and they don't quite have the depth. And I think they traded two of their really good depth guys, and they didn't have good depth in the beginning of the season. And while I think Butler was a good addition, obviously you have to make that trade. The one thing I'll say is that I feel like they've been getting a lot of credit and people have been giving them a lot, like, being like, oh, look at the Butler edition, you know, whatever. But I just watched him hit back-to-back game winners against the Nets and the Hornets. Why does he have to be hitting back-to-back game winners in the regular season versus the Nets and the Hornets? I agree. Um, I think anybody that's really looked at the Sixers this year and thinks that they're a legitimate title contender right now is just wrong. Uh, I think even with Jimmy Butler, quite on, they're in the set, they're second tier team in the East right now. I think they're like you've touched on. I think there's a first tier developing, and I think it's kind of led by Milwaukee, Toronto, maybe Boston, uh, and Philly wants to be in that group. But I think like I think there is a noticeable drop off. But they see, don't have the depth that any of those other teams have. But see, I just I disagree about Boston. I, I I really I think if you take Kyrie off Boston, they're not that impressive. Their offense isn't as crisp, and, and the high offensive rating is really important. I, I think that you know you know what though the 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 thing that Boston has in 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 their corner more than anything is that Jason Tatum has shown the ability to elevate his game, but that. Joel Embiid is playing about as good as Joel Embiid can play. And Jimmy Butler's been a great addition. And Ben Simmons has been great. And we know he's not going to develop a shot this year. So the question is, where does the rest of this offense come from? And you can't tell me it's just going to be that they're going to go buy out and get buyout contracts that are going to work. I I just don't see it for Philly progressing like they needed it to. Right, and I, quite honestly, I think they kind of made a lateral move getting Butler. Uh, I think it's a slight step up. I mean, it gives you that wing threat. But losing those two depth guys, I mean, they're more like, uh, we, we keep calling them depth guys, but they're they're a little bit more than that. They're like quality, quality oh, yeah. starter rotation guys, you know. Oh, yeah, they're definitely starter level. I mean, both Covington, I mean, Covington and Sarge can start. Starter. On, yeah, and Sarge is, is borderline on the right team. You know, depending on what you've got in center. Dude, I don't know. I like Sarge more than I really like Sarge. I really like Sarge. I like Sarge. It's just Sarge, you know, has limitations on. I mean, like there. I mean, Covington is such a shoe and starter next to Wiggins and the point guard. But Sarge is going to be behind a Taj Gibson. I'd rather have starting. I think. Right, but I actually really like Sarge on that team. Because he, because of his playmaking, which was masked a little bit in Philly, because Ben Simmons does so much of the playmaking, 
but I really like him in that situation because they are kind of in need of more playmakers on that team. And so I think Sarge fits really well with, with the T-Wolves. But, you know, like we're saying, Philly, Philly has uh, an issue. And one of the, one of the things I've, I, I've noticed about them in terms of their offense is they have a good assist percentage. So in terms of, like, the buckets they get off of assists, I think that comes from Ben Simmons. But they have a bad assist-to-turnover ratio. They're, like, top five, I think, in assist percentage. And then, like, number 20 in assist-to-turnover ratio. And that scares me for them. Because they just lost a point guard in Fultz, obviously. And then they lost a guy who I think is a nice, you know, big man playmaker type in Sarge. And now they kind of have these three pieces and not a whole lot else around it. I totally agree. And so you can't even turn the ball over. Yeah, and, you know, I think, uh, you know, big elephant in the room is Markel Fultz, right? (laughs) He was kind of supposed to be the other thing that was there. Uh, And that appears to have now carried into a situation where the organization is basically saying they think he has the gifts. He is going to keep seeing specialists. He's not going to play there again, I don't think. Do you? No. No, I think his career with, uh, with Philly is done. Uh, you know, I hope for the kid it's something physical. I really do. Because I, I, I think he seems like a great kid. And I, I liked him in Washington. We, we talked about this offline. At Washington, he pulled up from anywhere and everywhere and he was dead shooter could make plays could do it all and just for some reason hasn't hasn't been that guy uh, you know probably the yips it's looking like it's the yips but I, I, I hope he could come back he's 20 it's it's tough to give up on a 20 year old but I can understand from his perspective how you could want to a change of scenery yeah yeah I uh, so a little bit sidetrack here. Leon goes quick. What do you think is the best fit for Fultz on a new squad? I mean, I, I think it's... Because I think there are some interesting trades that could be done um, where a team has a role player that they don't necessarily want and would like to get maybe a Markel Fultz back, you know? I mean, I think it's a Phoenix, a Chicago... Uh, Right, and you know, Phoenix, Brooklyn. You, Brooklyn could be a good spot. They've been looking for that star, and so you know, Fultz, if he could learn to shoot or whatever, maybe he's a star. I don't know, but that's sort right. of where I'd be looking. Thinking maybe like you know, like a Trevor Riza for Markel Fultz to the Suns, sort of thing. Yep, that's not a horrible deal to me. No, I mean, it's I, a one year. I mean, it'd be a one year rental on a Riza. So I don't know if the Sixers would love that, but he would make them better this year. Yeah, the Sixers would probably want to pick with that. I mean, yeah, I don't. Yeah, maybe a two. I can't give them a one in full. No, no, but they would want to pick. I mean, yeah. ideally, ideally, they would want like a late first round, but early second round is not that different. I, I think if the Phoenix Suns had an early second, they could get. I don't right. know if they do, um, but that would be that would be the type of place I could see them going. Um, you know, the whole Dennis Smith. Junior and Mavericks thing has been a little weird. I think him and Rick Carlisle have gone into it a couple times. 
they could be a team that could, you know, Mark Cuban's been a guy who's been willing to take the high-risk play. Um, although with the way Luka looks this year, they might be ready to win a little bit more immediately than we thought because he looks like a fucking stud. I love Doncic. Doncic is like, I, I and this was hyperbole when I said it, but he does sort of, he's got a little touch of, of Larry in his game. Little Larry Bird, he's just so smooth. His moves are just like it's just enough to get him open. And he doesn't need to be. Open. He doesn't need to be that open. He doesn't <laughs> need to be that open. <laughs> it's funny. I really like you know the two kids in my mind who have separated themselves from this rookie class for me are Aiton and Doncic. And I, I think Aiton doesn't get enough play because he's on a shitty team. But I mean, his he's shooting like sixty percent and is averaging almost a double double. And then Doncic is out here, you know, 19 and 7 or whatever he's doing. Like, so those two kids have been super impressive for me. Um, I love the way those two are playing. And uh, those are the type of teams I think Markel Fultz needs to get on. Right. Uh, I think Dennis Smith needs to kind of, he's got to kind of learn to play a little bit off the ball. But he's not going to be that guy ever. You know, like, he could be such a lethal cutter, though, because he is such an athlete. There's potential there. I I don't love the fit also, but I kind of like him because he's got defensive potential. You know, you could almost slot him next to Doncic. But he doesn't. The better backcourt guy. But he, but, but I don't know if, I don't know if that's ever been his game. I don't. I mean, that's right. But he's got to, that's, that's got to be what he's thinking. You know, he's got to. He's going to have to realize here at some point that the guy he's playing next to is better than him. Like, a lot better than him. (laughs) Yeah, maybe he will, but I don't think he's ever going to reach the best version of himself by playing that sort of role. He's definitely an on-the-ball type of guy, so for me, that would be a tough one for him. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it ends up going, because it could be cool to have two you know, sort of scoring playmakers next to each other, you know? Uh, and you're right. I actually don't hate a Fultz to Dallas move. Uh, that would be interesting. Yeah. Carlisle, you know Carlisle loves guards he can put in the pick and roll. Yeah, and you, you know put, and you know that Rick Carlisle is an offensive wizard, so he'll figure out a way to make him productive while he figures out how to shoot. Uh, and also, we know that Mark Cuban's willing to spend the money. Mark Cuban's willing to spend the money to, you know, give Fultz whatever specialists he needs in terms of, you know, health or mental health. All right, so moving on from that, I think uh, a big story we wanted to touch on was the story that dropped on ESPN today about the NBA giving real-time data to vendors or sports uh, sports data s- sites to be able to then sell to sports books. Yeah. And to me, this was a really interesting article because we've heard a lot from Adam Silver and the NBA about how they wanted to get it in on a piece of the gambling aspect. And I didn't quite know how that would work for them. But this was actually a really innovative way, I think, to get their piece of the gambling pie. By basically providing, you know, detailed info for people to be able to set lines and all that type of stuff, and then saying it's available if you want it, what they're saying is that 
you can buy this from us and we'll give you the best data or you can not have the best data and people can compare you to the best data and figure out where, the, where, where they should be betting. So I thought it was actually a pretty brilliant move by the NBA. Yeah, I do too. I wonder, because right, when I used to work, my time at, at Stats LLC, uh, working on the sport view stats, it, uh, you know, that was obviously contracted out to a third party. You know, Stats LLC was collecting those stats, and they also provided tons of, they're basically the, the data provider for those of you listeners who don't know this. Uh, they're basically the data provider for a lot of fantasy sports apps. So, I mean, they're the guys behind, they provide all the data to the FanDuel uh, DraftKings, uh, are they both around anymore? I don't even know. Um, yeah, they are. Yeah, uh, you know, they this they're kind of everywhere. You'll notice their little logo pops up with a lot of uh, at the end of a lot of games on television. Mm-hmm. I wonder if right the NBA has kind of reached a uh, <laughs> an agreement here with these guys where they're just cutting everybody in on this. You know, well they're certainly trying to get their cut from it. And I think that's. Uh, that this oh, is that this is a smart way for them to go about getting their cut, honestly. So I was I was pretty impressed by this, and I think that honestly this is going to make it. This once it starts coming into the light gambling, and it's and you know people are allowed to look at it. I think there's going to be a lot more access to information. So for those fans that are interested in finding ways to uh, bet, and you know really dig into the data when they when they bet, this is a good thing for them. Yeah, Adam Silver just really kinda of continues to be a man people, huh? You know, of all the of all the leagues, there's one thing about like embracing advanced stats and there's another way to like use it successfully and not make your game all about just like numbers on a page. And the NBA has found a way to do that. Like MLB almost embraced it too much. And right. it's almost like basically a game that's played on paper. And then the NFL, I don't know if they've embraced it enough. Right. Or they're just fighting the fantasy football battle, you know? Yeah. Kind of a different sort of numbers game, you know? But but even still, like, I'm, I'm just talking about in terms of teams. Like, I don't know if the teams have used oh, the right. analytics enough. So... It's interesting. I think, like you said, it's a good move by Adam Silver. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, kind of keeping it in the, uh, the more business realm, I think another funny story way that I think uh, really became kind of a national headline today was Kawhi Leonard. Uh, I guess it's not official yet, but signing with New Balance. Yeah. Um, did you see the? Uh, did you see? I think just horrible decision by New Balance one, which is now their second, and as many as two months. Uh, yeah, they're a pretty poorly run company, I think. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, right. But did you see? Did you see the video of Kawhi getting a technical foul, where he like, kind of like raised his arm a little bit, and like it looked like he said, "Come on, man," and like kind of just like went like that and. It didn't look like right. there was a whole lot there, and he got a technical foul, but it was like, wow, Kawhi is really held to a little bit of a different standard because he's so quiet. that if he right. even talks to the ref, like, shows any kind of emotion. That's <laughs> a Kawhi 10, you know? Yeah. That's level 10. Yeah, so that was, I thought that was really funny. And then I, I saw this thing today that said, 
Kawhi has more career steals than personal fouls. Really? Yeah. So talk about a guy who's a little bit boring. I, I think New Balance is him keeping it in the fairway, to be honest with you. I think that's a nice segue. I think it really is a keep it in the fairway sort of thing. Uh, Which is great, because I have a few of these. I, I've got a few keep in my fairways. We might as well just start rattling them off. But uh, Kawhi, I think that's great. Uh, I think first and foremost because he's got to be about the least marketable star. Wearing the least marketable shoe. Right, in basketball <laughs> in a long time. Right. Now now we've worn an ugly shoe. I can't wait till he starts rocking new palaces, dude. I just really hope they're kind of like the original Steph Curry's, where they're just like the plain new balances. Like, don't dress it up. Just make them like white with a blue and really easy <laughs> for the rest of us. Try something real, real pedestrian out there. Uh, no, I, I sell sell something to the fifty and over crowd. Seriously, I mean, and that Basley, the, the, the giving a million dollars to Basley, Darius Basley, a couple months ago. I mean, literally pretty much just gave a million dollars for a press release because the kid's not going to play this year and probably won't even play next year, to be honest with you. Maybe in the G League. Yeah. I don't know. That was uh, that was definitely interesting. We're all down on Basley because, you know, we're Syracuse guys, but still... Just I'm not want- hating on him in this respect. I'm hating on New Balance for making a terrible business decision. Still one of the most questionable moves. Right. I don't hate the kid for getting the money. The company gave him the money. He just That's just an awful move by New Balance. I mean, what are they doing? Right. You could have waited and still gotten him in eight months to a year, still gotten him that same deal. Right. He wasn't moving anywhere. They gave it to him because he was a PR player. They're like, oh, this kid skipped college. We need to find somebody. So we'll pay him a million dollars. Right, he'll, he'll be our guy, but he may not even ever play in the NBA. Right, he's not. He won't play anywhere this year. Won't play anywhere probably next year. Probably the G League. Realistically, yeah, know? he might get drafted, and then maybe if he impresses in summer league, he could probably play. He'll get a he'll get a big chance at summer league for sure. I mean, he will play in summer league, but I, you know, he's like he's gonna be raw. Dude, he hasn't played, and it'll have him not playing. Look, look at Mitchell Robinson. If he was in any normal basketball situation on any decent team, he wouldn't even be sniffing a rotation. You know? But Mitchell Robinson, we also have to realize. I think he's probably maybe top ten talent in terms of pick wise. Uh, I fully agree with you. I think. That was a favorable, favorable comparison for Basley that I just gave. Like, Robinson is... As talented as they come, and he still right. is, like, a guy who... I mean, I watch him on the Knicks, so, uh, you know, I can tell you that he's the type of guy who one night he'll have six blocks, and he'll be like, wow, this guy is unbelievable. And then the next night he'll have five fouls in two minutes, and you'll be like, this guy, you can't even play this guy. He's, he's not good. Right? So, right. like, it, that's... Like, he's, he's in there, Mitchell Robinson. He's going to be a very good player, but... It, you know, it's going to take him a while, and uh, you know, missing a whole year of basketball is, as you said, it's a big deal. It is. It is. All right. So going ahead and keep it in the fairway. I've got, I've got a few here. So maybe you just let me, let me rattle them off right now. Keeping it in the fairway. We're going to start with the Redskins claiming Reuben Foster when nobody else wanted to, and Reuben Foster's got his third domestic violence charge in. You know, like a year, a year and a half. Like, the, like, what are you doing, Dan Snyder? You're a bum. 
The Redskins organization's a joke. Not much I else. Want to... Yeah, go ahead. Right. As a Redskins and I, fan. And I don't have much of an argument against that, to be honest with you. Uh, the only thing is, and I hate to do this, the only thing is the other domestic violence accounts were rescinded. And I think the girlfriend said that she made them up, right? Whatever you believe that or not. Uh, I think she admitted to it in a courtroom that she did this. Uh, But the thing is, this is the same girl he just just got accused of again. Why is he still seeing this woman? And this is after he's been arrested two other times this year. Like, this guy is a bad decision maker. Uh, And, like, I understand he's got talent, but I don't know that we need to be I don't know that we needed to sign this guy. You know, we, there's there's just no reason to. You but know, the team that knows the most about the situation—that's this is my only claim back to you because I, I don't I don't know. I'm not connected to the Foster, so I don't know a situation. But the team that does know a situation better than anybody has said he's not worth it. I agree, but I think he also wore out his welcome there, right? I think he—they were pretty much teetering on cutting him on the first accusations. And then when it proved untrue, um, they kept him, obviously. And then I think he got arrested two or three other times this summer. Like, he, like, had an assault weapon and then, like, had, like, yeah, he got arrested for weed. It's like, dude, maybe this guy just, he just doesn't get it, you know? I don't think Um, he does. It's so funny, some of these guys, they leave Alabama and all of a sudden they crumble. So, that's that's a Redskins keep in the fairway. My next keep in the fairway, Hugh Jackson just being an awesome coach. The part, the part that was hilarious was was when the Browns player picked the ball off and then handed it to him. And at first, I think he thought this was like a compliment. When it, oh, when it clearly was not. Like, it was clearly a fuck you, but Hugh thought it was such a compliment. He, like, patted the guy in the head. And he was like, oh, thank you. And then he, like, looked at the ball. He was like, wait, I don't coach this team anymore. I think he, feel, I think he still thought he was the head coach of the Browns. <laughs> right. Honestly, wouldn't be surprised. And the big thing has been talked about ad nauseum here. Uh, but it was great to see Hugh Jackson go to the Bengals, play a team that he coached up until 10 days ago, and proceed to get down 20 to nothing. That's what I mean, just coaching awesome teams. But then great decision by Marvin Lewis because, you know, now you've brought in a guy, say, hey, listen, I brought in. As I think Moose said, a football specialist, big time football <laughs> specialist, and even he wasn't able to change it. So the Bengals, he probably bought him another. He bought himself another five, ten years with the Bengals, at least with this move. Oh, I agree, agree a thousand percent. Uh, I think they brought in Hugh as like a defensive assistant too, somehow. Like, but wasn't he an offensive coordinator for the Ravens before this? Right, he was an offensive guy before. Uh, just the whole thing is just so funny and like oh <laughs> uh, Hugh yeah. I almost felt bad for him when Baker snubbed him man I kind of did I don't so then that's the that's the next my next keep in the fairway moving right along is the sports media getting mad at Baker over pretty much nothing he didn't really fuck with Hugh <laughs> Jackson because listen we said it from the time we were watching Hard Knocks you can re-roll the tapes go back to the first pods and listen we said he looks like kind of an idiot in this. And I think he just kind of is an idiot. 
And so like Baker did Baker thought he was an idiot. Baker didn't really fuck with him. And that's it. Like you can't really blame Baker. And then Baker has every right to say, fuck you, because you were our coach ten days ago and now you're going to probably our biggest rival and you're going to coach them. What the fuck is that about? And like on your way out you're trashing everybody. You wanted every quarterback in the fucking world over me apparently. Because he said he wanted Mahomes, he said he wanted this guy, he said he wanted that guy. Like if I'm Baker, I'm like, fuck this guy. I don't need to pretend to like this guy anymore. Uh, I agree. And the sports media just like jumping on Baker. For whatever reason, Baker just doesn't get the love in the media. It's kind of funny. Uh, and I like it. I like that he's prickly. Uh, it's because he, he, gives, he, gives he gives the lazy people an easy sports take. If you're lazy at, at, as an analyst doing your job, Baker gives you the easy, I can get on this guy for something – Right. Take. Like, I think Damian Woody was like, oh, well, you know, he went from Texas Tech to uh, Oklahoma. But Damian Woody clearly didn't do any research because Baker was a walk-on at Texas Tech who they basically told him he didn't have a shot to be their starting quarterback. And he left there with their blessing. And he walked on at Oklahoma. So it wasn't like he, like, just left the team that was, like, cratered when he left. They were like, all right, like you could go. You, we weren't really going to have you play here anyway. Right, right. And I don't necessarily hate on you for taking the job, but he's got to know that that's going to have some backlash, you know? Right. No, I'm not, I'm not mad at Hugh at all. I'm not mad at Hugh at all. Hugh, Hugh, I'm not begrudging the man for taking a job, but I could understand why Baker would begrudge him for taking the job. I, 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 I'm with you on that. Right. Uh, so for my keeping in the Wait, wait, I got one last one. I got one last one before okay. I let you get well, in you here. You want to break this up? Why don't I why don't I jump in here? All right, why don't you jump in and I'll come back. I'll come back in. Go for uh, it. I think in a great in a blockbuster NBA trade today. Um, everybody's favorite pretty boy, white boy NBA player Kyle Korver um, was traded from the Cavaliers to the perfect team and a team he's already played for uh, the Utah Jazz I've said previously this summer that Grayson Allen is the most Utah Jazz player ever I take that back now that Kyle Korver has played for them twice it is now Kyle Korver <laughs> uh, I love I love this move actually for the Jazz uh, I mean they just they gave up Alec Burks and two second round picks Burks has never really taken advantage of his opportunities there um, and has been in and out of rotation for a while he's actually having a decent year for him um, but I I like this move for them to get another shooter um, and we'll see we'll see how this works out for them but I just like Kyle Corner really going back to Utah um, and becoming the the face of the Utah franchise once again I you know it's so funny because for me, whenever you say Kyle Korver, my first thought in my head goes back to NBA Live 2006 when he was on the Sixers and that yeah. team was Allen Iverson and Chris Webber and him. And he was a 66 in the game, but he had the shooter modifier or whatever it was. <laughs> so you could hold down L and shoot and he was just automatic. 
I loved him in that game. And then, like, they had the three-point competition, and he was just automatic in that. Oh. Kyle Korver, whenever I think of him, that's exactly what I think of. NBA Live 06. The funny thing is he might be still playing in 50 years because his game, he's been unathletic from the day he walked into the NBA and is just such a wet shooter, it's unbelievable. But seriously, uh, I mean, he's a career 43% three-point shooter. All right, since you rudely interrupted me because you couldn't wait to get that off your chest, I'm going to go back to my keep it in the fairways because my keep it in the fairways have been fired tonight. I've got like a hundred of them. I'm I'm basically hitting every green in regulation right now. My last one is Coach K chiding fans about not getting their expectations too high with the Duke basketball team. Basically, Coach K trying to coach the fans, which is so keeping in the fairway for Coach K. Yeah, I mean, does Coach K really think his words are going to mean shit there? Dude, I can see Zion dunk. I don't need you to tell me to not be excited. I'm fucking excited. The guy is a fucking unbelievable athlete. Once in a generation player, I can see that. I don't need you to tell me to not be excited, dude. It's like, Coach K, are you trying to tell me that with that guy... You're not supposed to beat everybody, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. Are you telling me that with that guy and supposedly he isn't even your best player? <laughs> like, like, okay. like, fuck you, yeah. Coach K. Shut the fuck up, and I'm gonna hype your team up because I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to lower expectations, but you know what? You know what? Not, not gonna let you do that because yeah. every time Duke gets those high expectations, they don't quite win. All right, do you have a wandering in the woods, or should I just take over this whole podcast? You can start wandering in the woods here. All right, I'm going right to my guy, Mike McCarthy. And by my guy, I mean the guy I need to get fired. Um, Mike McCarthy is just a garbage, garbage coach. Like, I, I really do believe that the fact that Aaron Rodgers hasn't won more is probably because his coach isn't that good. Look at the other two guys you would compare him to. Look at Breeze and look at uh, Brady. They've had much more success. Even though Breeze has only won, has also only won one championship. You know, last year he was pretty much a play away from probably being in another Super Bowl or playing against eventual Super Bowl champions. And I think he's had a far more successful run, in my opinion, in, in New Orleans than uh, Aaron Rodgers. And I don't think that you can say Breeze has had better teams because Breeze has done a lot with not that much around him in terms of defense and offense. But most importantly was just Mike McCarthy's decision to go for it on fourth and inches in the third quarter of the game cost his team the game. On Sunday night. And I don't know how you could look at that as Green Bay. And I, I guess it's because their fans are the owners that they're just not going to fire him, right? <laughs> right. I think uh, – I actually – I agree with you on this. And it's crazy when you go back and look. Green Bay won – their one Super Bowl was seven years ago. 2011. February 2011. That will be eight years. Actually, eight years by the time this Super Bowl is played. They won't be playing in it, you know. 
Yeah, but then how many? But then how many times have they have they won the division or gotten into the playoffs with like ridiculous Aaron Rodgers at the end of the season bailing them out in ridiculous fourth quarter? fourth quarters and all that type of shit like how many times has Aaron Rodgers literally had to put on the Superman cape just to get them to the playoffs I agree um, I think there's been a big big waste I think we can actually say that now of Aaron Rodgers prime yeah I mean he, he's 34 now I think I mean you think he won that Super Bowl seven and a half years ago almost eight years ago and there hasn't really been another Green Bay team that you've looked at and been like, oh, that's, you know, that's a team. That's that, the team. I yeah. mean, the one year where they, the guy who fucked up the onside kick against Seattle, they were good. But still, they were good, but I, I don't, like, they've got... I mean, they were crushed. You remember that game? Wilson looked horrible. They, like, threw, he threw, like, three or four picks in the first half. Yeah. But then they were up, and the guy dropped the onside kick. Uh they could have maybe beat this Patriots that year. Obviously, the Patriots ended up winning because they throw the ball in the one-yard line. But uh, I think it is interesting to think, like, how many other guys would get eight years with the best quarterback in the NFL and not not make the Super Bowl once? It's unreal. It's unreal. Or at least, or at least like, be consistently, like, ahead of the pack. Because New Orleans hasn't made the Super Bowl since they won it, but they've constantly been a 12-0, 13-2 team. Uh, well, a few years of fluctuation when they had the worst defense in the history of the NFL. Right, and I think Breeze was a little bit injured those years as well. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so, I, you know, I don't know. I, I think, I, I really think that, uh, the that Michael Carthy just—he needs to go. Um, I think we would be almost just doing the world a disservice if my wandering in the woods again didn't touch on the dysfunction story of the year, which is my Washington Wizards. Yep. Uh, we need to get that. And, and once again, uh, we touched on it last week. Dwight Howard had stayed drama-free through the first. You know, 15 games of the season. I don't know, because last week we said, when when is that shoe dropping? Right, and that's, you know, it lasted approximately four more days. <laughs> causing major drama. Um, he made it 18 games um, without causing national headlines or making people hate him. Uh, and he is now done both. Uh, and now he's not playing because he's got a... It's almost too funny to even say he's got an ass injury, you know? Yep. It is It is too funny to say. He's got an ass injury. It's just like, this guy, I just don't even know what to do. Um, and they got walloped tonight by New Orleans. Uh, it's just, this is just a new level of dysfunction for the Wizards, you know? I think it's just, it is... I just want to see how much TMZ story of Dwight Howard attending. You know, to each their own. I could give I could give a fuck less when somebody does on their own time. It's not my job to tell somebody how to live. But the idea that it's coming out and he's threatening people, um, 
it's just kind of really not what the Wizards need. You know? Yeah, that's uh, the worst part of it. The worst part of it is that he's apparently been threatening people, and uh, I, you know, I don't know. Uh, I don't. I don't really know what to make of it, but. I just really hope we can keep this Wizards team together for as long as possible. Because I want to see how bad it can get. Uh, I don't... Like, it it almost, you know, because it's sort of funny because it almost took away some of the attention away from all the other players hating each other, you know? Maybe that's what they need. Maybe, just maybe. Right. Just maybe what they really needed was for them to get somebody to hate. Right. Maybe they will pick Dwight up off of his confused... Hurt ass. (laughs) And maybe it'll turn into something. Maybe. Maybe. I will say, though, for Dwight Howard... What is going on, bro? You know? He's got, like, eight kids with, like, ten different women. Or, ten kids with eight different women or whatever. The Dwight Howard story is just... So now this shit happened, it's like, dude, you gotta get a grip. You gotta figure out... You gotta figure yourself out, man. Uh, Whatever it is you are, be true to yourself. Whatever, but, like... Yeah, whatever it is you are, be true to yourself. Whether... You like men, whether you like women. I, you know, I don't know. It's it's not my responsibility to tell you what to do, but right, exactly. Whatever but it is, you should figure it out. You, you're, you're. He's a grown man. He's in his thirties. You know, I don't say everyone can have shit figured out by them, but you should be. He's too old for this. You know. Mhm. Totally agree. Totally agree. All right, so. Instead of NFL tonight, we're going to go ahead and talk about a big game in the NBA tomorrow, betting-wise. We're going to take a look at this Indiana at Los Angeles game, give you guys a little bit of a breakdown on it. The Pacers are plus four and plus 163 on the money line, while the Lakers are minus 185 on the money line, with the over-under at 217.5. So, Slenderman, for tomorrow... What do you like in this game? Did Indiana win last night? Yes. Mm. I love the way Indiana is playing, dude. Uh, but they're on a West Coast road trip. This may be a tough game for them. Um, I think. But what, who's. It's. Mm. That money line is tempting in this game. Um, it is, but probably I would like that money line. Um, I think if the Lakers win, it'll actually be by a pretty decent margin because um, the Pacers will either be playing well or they won't. That is the most worst. That's the worst analysis I've ever given. Uh, but they, uh, they're, I think they're either going to show up, you know, play very hard and. and, and kind of, you know, make it a competitive game, or they're going to be very tired from this West Coast road trip, um, and they're just going to kind of pack it in if they get down early, you know? Um, I, you know, we'll go with the Pacers, actually. We'll go Pacers at, on the money line there. I like that. I, I personally like the Lakers minus four. I agree with you. I love the way the Pacers have been playing. 
But that West Coast road trip isn't a joke. And Actually, just, hold on. Is Oladipo playing or no? Because if Oladipo's not playing, then I'm taking... Uh, yeah, I take that back. We are going with the Lakers. Oh, he's not playing? Not, he's not playing. Uh, I got the Lakers in that game. I didn't even realize that. I was going to take the Lakers before I knew that, but now I'm definitely taking the Lakers. Lakers minus four seems like a lock to me. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Miles Turner's kind of turned it up the last couple of games for them. Um, stepping up with Old Depot out. But it's a bonus, man. They've got, they've just got a talented team. They've got a lot of good players. Um, and then, and so then moving, moving on, I mean, I like, I like Indiana. Again, I think we've talked about how Indiana definitely has the opportunity to be a party crasher. Um, but, in, in the East, but moving on from there, from a party crasher to a team that we've given a lot of play to, but maybe not on today's podcast that we should go ahead and give a little bit of play to is the Raptors. And the Raptors are going to be hosting the Warriors in a game that is actually even. And I'm surprised by this because Curry, Green, Alfonso McKinney, who's been actually an absolute stud for the Warriors, and Cousins, obviously, are all out. Is Curry Beck ruled out for that game? Yeah, according to ESPN on the injury report, he's been ruled out. So, at an even bet, I actually like Toronto in this one. I do, too. You said Toronto is at home? Yep. Yeah, is Kawhi... Kawhi is supposed to be playing. Um, I I don't know if they're going to rest him or whatnot, but I think think he'll play. And I think Clay said something like, you know, this definitely has a chance to be a preview for June because this, you know, they got something special going on up here. And I, I actually totally agree with him. Oh, I agree. I agree. I think they're. Uh, I think they're a legit good team. But them and Milwaukee are the class of these. I really hope we get to see that as the Eastern Conference Finals. I would love to see Kawhi versus Giannis. Yeah, yeah. There's actually a very interesting article on ESPN right now about Brooke Lopez and his value to the Bucks' offense. It's pretty incredible. To be honest with you, I saw that. I saw that, and I looked at it. I looked at uh, stats today. He, he's actually been one of the better players in terms of advanced stats, because uh, I think I think it's the NBA more than a lot of other leagues. A lot of, a lot of it's about fit. Like I think one thing that people overlook exactly. at the Warriors before Durant got there, one of the reasons Curry. Thompson and Green were so good together it wasn't necessarily because they were all great and they are all great but it's also because those pieces fit really well together and I think that that is even further proven and maybe the most starkly proven by the Rockets last year to this year last year they had the perfect complement of guys sitting around Harden and Paul to make them the most effective team possible and this year they yeah. don't have that yeah totally agree um, and so I think that's why Brooks is Brooks is you know kind of taken off in Milwaukee. Yeah, and I think it's just been a huge thing. I mean, he's basically kind of just spotting up every time down the floor, jacking threes. Uh, and it's just with Giannis, you really do need another floor spacing big. Uh, 
because it just opens up the floor for him so much. And if your man helps to protect that rim, if you've got a big guy who can stroke it, no homo. Uh, <laughs> you, you are going to be able to get wide open shots on a pretty routine basis in that Budenholzer offense where that ball's skipping and moving, you know? 